Well, I'm going to do something a little unusual this morning, and that is that normally during the summer months, we might take a theme that is uh, maybe not as, um, it's more about sort of finding rest in the Lord or finding peace in the Lord, uh, but we are actually going to start this week a series that's going to continue on through the remainder of the summer that is probably one of the pivotal themes of our year. And so that I'm putting that to you now to say that if you miss a week because of holiday, watch back and catch up. Because what we're going to look at in the next six weeks, I believe will be foundational, not just for this season of the church, but for many years to come. And so I'm going to encourage you to open your hearts. I know it's warm. Uh, some of you are in the, you've come strategically, come early to church to get a seat near a fan. Okay, that's what you do now. It's not come early for a front seat, it's come early for a fan seat. Uh, I know it's warm, but I'm just going to ask you for your attention for these next 35 minutes in order to unpack something that I believe could be paradigm changing for your life and for the church. Have I introduced that enough? Let me start by asking you a question then. If I was to list five major organs in your body, let's think of some. Maybe your lungs, your heart, your liver, your kidney, your brain. Okay, there's five there. And if I was to say to you, which four of those could you live without? Now, it doesn't take much medical understanding to know that you could not live without four of those five major organs. So let me simplify the question for you. Let me make it a little easier. Are there three that you could live without? Some of you are beginning to wonder, well, maybe I could live without my kidney. You can't. <laughs> maybe I could manage with no liver. You can't. All of those are needed. So if I really stripped the question back and said, is there one you could live without? The answer would be no. You would need all your major organs in your body to function in order to be healthy, in order to avoid a gruesome outcome of ill health and death. Let me direct this question in a similar way to God's church. Let me ask you, after all, the church, one of the descriptions given to the church is that we are the body of Christ. Yeah. Let's look at a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says this, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And the Bible also reveals that not only are we the body, but this body has a head. And this head is Jesus. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 18 says these words, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. So a quick summary, we are 
his body, made up of many parts, perfectly synchronized together with the head. Now, let me ask a question about this body, the church. Are there major organs in the body of the church that are essential for the well-being and the growth and the maturing of the church? Are there organs of this body which need to function? I've been in my time in church involved in a few battles where churches have tried to retain some organs. But they've been pipe organs. In a, in a previous church that I led years ago, there was a pipe organ that had a lot of history in the church. And there were people who were very attached to that organ. And it didn't work. And it was going to cost £50,000 to repair something that we did not want. But there were people who wanted it. So we stripped everything out from the back of the organ. And all that was there was the wooden construct with the pipes at the front. It looked like there was an organ in place, but it wasn't able to function. And after a few years, we let the rumors get out that it didn't work. It was never going to work. And so the ability to remove the facade was more navigatable, and we managed to do it without splitting the church. There have been churches that have split over pipe organs or instruments or changes, but that's not the sort of organ I'm talking about today. Does God have in his body some major organs that are essential to our well-being and our life? What are they? Are they things like our buildings? Well, thank God for the use of facilities like buildings, but that's not the essential part of the church. Are they things like children's and youth ministries? Well, thank God for those things. They are wonderful and a blessing, and without them, we do not reach the next generation. But I don't believe they are what the Scriptures term as a major organ of the church. Maybe it's our gatherings for worship. Well, thank God for those opportunities, but I do not believe that those are necessarily the major organs of the church. They are helpful expressions of our ministry within the community of God's people, but they're not the major organs of the body of Christ. So there are many things that God has given his church. There are many things that God has blessed us with. Let's look at some of these. They're essential, they're important, but I'm going to say these are not the major organs, but they are essential. Let's look at some of the things that God has blessed you and me, his people, with. First of all, who's blessed that the Holy Spirit is with us? Just keep your hand up a moment because we don't really understand what we're saying right there. I know you're getting tired right now with your hands in the air. But listen, if you had nothing else in this world, you have more than you need as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. He is real. Yes. It's like Jesus come into your workplace and your home, into every situation, and giving you his perfect counsel, his power, his provision, his breakthrough, his healing. The Holy Spirit is not a junior version of Jesus. He is God in us. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit in the church. Why don't we just take a moment just to reflect on that truth 
And then I'm going to ask, when I count down from 10, if you are thrilled and delighted that the Holy Spirit is real and he's with us, I'm going to ask you, if you're physically able to, when I've counted down from 10, to stand and to give an offering of adoration and gratitude that the Holy Spirit is alive and he's in you. Think about it for a moment, though. It is the most incredible reality and truth. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor you. Thank you that you live in us. Thank you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Breathe in us your breath. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We honor you. Help us to honor you. Help us to live worthy of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I, just, can I just encourage you just to lift your hands in a posture of surrender? And your prayer might be something like this. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry that I minimize you and your reality and your effectiveness and your power and your wisdom in my life. I'm sorry that I wrestle on without you. I'm sorry that I... Forget so often that I'm a temple where you reside and live. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we honor you among us, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's our desire, not that you serve us, but that we serve you. It's our desire, not that you help us fulfill our will, But it's our desire that you help us fulfill Jesus' will. So fill us afresh. Some of you standing, you're very dry. You feel very distant from the Lord. Holy Spirit, come and breathe fresh into each of our lives, I pray. Come and breathe upon us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew. Not just for this moment, not so that we can just have a good service, but fill us, Lord, so that we can be obedient disciples of the Lord every day of the week, so that our homes can know the transformational power of the presence of God, so that our workplaces can know the majesty and the might of the glory of God. Fill us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Father, Son, and Spirit. Three in one. The Lord our God is one God. Three in one. We thank you for Jesus who came and took on human flesh and came to this world. 
come and lived and dwelt among us, became one of us, but lived sinlessly. We thank you that right now he is sat at the right hand of the Father. But we thank you that he, Jesus said these words, it's good that I go, otherwise the Holy Spirit will not be able to come. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here with the same power as the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is here with the same power of the 1904 Welsh Revival. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is here in the same power that every revival across the nations of the world have ever encountered and experienced. The Holy Spirit is here. He's here in awesome power. He's here in reviving power. He's here to stir up the hearts of men and women. He's here to lead all, to open blind eyes. He's here to bring revelation. He's here to transform hearts. He's here to heal marriages. He's here by the power of His Spirit and might. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just take your seats a moment, would you? Because we're going to look at some of the things that the Holy Spirit also brings to His church. He brings, we read, nine gifts. There's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And we need to move more in the gifts of the Spirit than ever. You know, we've lived... Um, we've lived a moralistic sort of Christian life where we just aim to live cleaner and we aim to live better, but the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring gifts among His people. And we need to rise up in these gifts of the Spirit. He also brings fruits. We read about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is not the Holy Spirit saying, here are some aspirational things for your life. This is the Holy Spirit saying, if you allow me to live in you, these are things I'll grow in you. Even if you're a really unpatient person, that's not what's in the spotlight here. What's in the spotlight is, is the Holy Spirit residing in you in such a way that his fruit grows through your life. Some other things that we have, the scripture says that we have the Bible, which is like a two-edged sword, is powerful. It cuts through things within our lives. It has breakthrough capabilities. It's transformational. And my notes have completely gone from my screen. But that's okay. We'll get them back. We will get them back, he says confidently. Here we go. I love technology, don't you? Okay, that's fine. And we are there. The only problem is I have to go back to the beginning again because I don't know where I was. <laughs> that was a very kind amen there. Thank you for that. We also, as well as the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the fruit, the scriptures. We also have a full suit of armor. Are you feeling like you've got actually quite a lot of stuff in your life? 
There's a lot that God has done for his people, for the church. And we also read there are some other gifts as well that the Spirit brings. They're not necessarily um, called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they are administrative gifts of the Holy Spirit. Things like encouragement and hospitality and service and giving and administration and leadership and mercy. These are all needed and these are important and these things should be in the body of Christ. But I want to just look in these next few moments at what I'm going to say I believe are five major organs of the church. And without these organs, the body of Christ will be disabled or will die. In fact, much of the dysfunctionality of the church today, I would say, is because some of these organs have failed. These major organs, we'll look at in the scripture in a moment, are given to establish the church. They're given to grow the church, to equip the church, and to mature the church so that the glory of Christ will be revealed. But sadly, some of these have been either neglected or, in certain aspects of the church, even rejected. And the result is a church that doesn't look like its head. It's a body that doesn't match its head. And it's disabled and it's dysfunctional. Let's look at the scripture that highlights these five organs. It's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses from verse 11. And it says this. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers to equip the saints for works of service, for works of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. Thank God for the cute kid stage in our lives. Amen? Thank God kids are so cute. They say the cutest things. They do the cutest things. Church, we're not meant to be a kindergarten for the rest of our spiritual life. We're meant to grow and mature. And it says here that the, the kids in the faith, they get tossed around by the things of this world. Because this world is brutal. Because we are living in a kingdom that is under the domain of the evil one. But we have been saved from it, although we still live in it. And the results are that this world is full of all sorts of pain and disappointments and tragedy. And yet, God is with us. And he is looking for us to mature in him so that when those waves come and that wind blows, that it does not toss us around in the same way that it will affect 
others. It says, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the, gro promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Being knit together and growing in every way from him who is the head. And you will notice there were five things, five offices, or I'm going to use the term grace. There are five graces that we read in this. And these graces are going to be the backbone of this theme for the next six weeks following this introduction. We read that some were given to be apostles, some were given to be prophets, some are given to be evangelists, some are given to be shepherds, and some are given to be teachers. I'm going to call them graces rather than gifts or offices because I think the language will be easier for us to comprehend in the weeks ahead. And you will have a measure of each of these graces in your life. There is likely to be one of these graces that particularly stands out in your life. Now, Jesus is the head of the body, and he... When he walked on this earth, he manifested all five of these graces. There were times when Jesus was apostolic. There, was time, there were times when Jesus was prophetic. There were times when Jesus was evangelistic. There were times when Jesus was a shepherd. And there were times when we see Jesus being a teacher. Jesus was the perfect manifestation of all five of these graces. You and I are not the perfect manifestation of all five of these graces, but we do have a measure of them within our life. We don't manifest all five perfectly, but there is a measure within us, and there's probably one that will stand out. To have a healthy body, we need all five of these graces fully functioning in the life of the body. There will be those who have an apostolic grace. Now, part of the danger of what I'm saying here is that you're going to fall into a trap that I believe churches have fallen into for years. Yeah. And that is that you think I'm talking about church leaders. Yes. Because churches that maybe have embraced and understood the five graces, they might say, well, we need to make sure that the church leadership team has somebody who's apostolic, someone who's prophetic, someone who's evangelistic, someone who's a shepherd, someone who's a teacher. And I'm going to use the, the simple word of apest, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherd, teacher, just rather than keep repeating those all the time. And you might think, well, the church leadership team is the place that this is to be reflected because... It said in Ephesians that God has given these to equip the saints. But you and I are in the body. You and I are part of the body. And I believe 
that it would be a significant mistake for us to assume that these graces are only for those involved in church leadership. And that's going to be the paradigm shaker for many people here. Because there are not just one or two apostles in this room. There are multiple apostles, apostolic graces, at work in the lives of people that rediscover. There is not just those who are on the prophetic team who are the prophets. We'll explain more about that in the days and the weeks ahead. But I believe that within your life, there has been a deposit of grace given you that you may be completely unaware of. And in the weeks ahead, as we teach into this, you're going to understand something about what God has deposited in you in a way that's different to any of your understanding in the past. And I believe the purpose for that is that God is looking for us all, the body of Christ, to knit together in unity to see the manifest glory of God come into this region, into this nation. Because we can, we can pray, God, send your revival. God, move among us. But he has given us some tools already. And you know that following Jesus is all about stewardship. And if, if we're saying, God, revive us, and he's saying, what are you doing with what I've given you? What about that deposit I've already put in your life? What about that grace that's already in you? And we're saying, God, revive us. He said, but what about what I've already done? Yeah. I've given you everything already that you need in order to be knit together to reveal the manifest glory of God on the earth. See, what's often happened is, is as we've we've interpreted that these graces are given to church leaders, and I must let you know there are some wings of the church that love Jesus, that they love the Lord, but they would believe that the apostolic graces ended along with the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be what we'd call cessationists, that the, the work of the Holy Spirit finished with the time of the early apostles. We believe that the Holy Spirit is as active in the earth today as he was back 2,000 years ago. We believe he's empowering the, the church with the person of the Holy Spirit in the same way today as he was back in the day of Pentecost. And I believe that there are apostolic gifts, prophetic gifts, that are here. And one of the things is, one of the problems is we say that it's just for those in church leadership is that it makes everyone else spectators, bit part players. It's like if I make a sported analogy, it's like the people on the stage are playing the game on the field and you've come to cheer us on. You're the supporters. And you support with your singing, you support with your giving, you support with your volunteer participation. But I want you to know that's not God's vision of church. You're not sat in the stands. You're on the pitch. You're in the team. You're in the body. And God has placed you in the body for a very, very significant reason. And some of you will be very prominent. But prominence and significance are not the same thing. My nose may be prominent, but I could live without it. 
Where is my heart? You can't see that, but it's significant. Some of the most significant people in this church are not those who stand on the platform. They're people who pray diligently. They're people who serve the Lord in their communities. They're people who are stepping out by faith in their business life. They're people who are taking adventures in God. They're people who are loving their neighbors. They're people who are loving those who are unjustly treated in this world. That's the front line. That's the core of revealing Christ. So can we just get over the fact that you're not on the stands? Can you take your tracksuit off, please? Can you, can you wear your kit? Can you be ready for the game to start? Can you be the person that's trained up, prepared for a game? But it's not a game. It's far more significant than a game. It's far more important than winning a 90-minute contest. The world is in need of the glory of God. And the politicians are not able to give it. The financial institutions are not able to resolve it. There's only one hope that this world has. And that is why Jesus announced it as the good news of the kingdom. Yeah. It's another kingdom. Right. And you and I, kingdom of God, body of Christ, Amen. we're all on the team. Amen. So what gift, what grace is in you? Are you apostolic? Are you prophetic? Are you evangelistic? Are you shepherd? Are you teacher? You see, some of the dysfunctions, I think, that have happened in the church over the years, in many churches, is that we've lived largely with two of these five major organs. And you already know that a body can't live like that. And the body of Christ is in the nations of the world that have only lived with these two organs functioning, and that is the shepherd and the teacher, that the church is in decline in those places. But the church is not in decline in the world. The church is vibrant, and it's alive. When I go across and I visit the church in Ghana that I've got relationships with, I go and meet somebody, and they're an evangelist, and I meet someone else, and they're an apostle. I meet someone else, they're a teacher, someone else as a pastor. And they understand that there's a grace that God has given to his people to bring the body alive. We are stewarding in the West a very shepherd-teacher-orientated type of church. And we measure the, the strength of a church based on those two things. Oh, I really like the teaching there. That's why I go. That's why I'm a part of the church. I like the teaching. And so we've got mega churches growing because there's great facilities and resources to gather around the Word of God and able to put lots of resource into teaching, giving good substance and good quality. Of teaching is a gift of God. It's a beautiful thing. 
And then we've got others who say, oh, I love going to that church because they, they, they really care for me. They really love me, and that's a great thing. The body of Christ is meant to be a place of care and shepherding. But if we're only functioning with those two things, church, we are sick. And not in the sick sort of young people way today. We are ill. We are on life support. And if you want to join a church that just is about caring for you and just about teaching you with more information for your mind, you've already got more stuff in there than you're doing anything with anyway. If that's the measure of a church that we want to be a part of, then I want you to know Rediscover is not going to be for you. Because God has called us to have five major organs in the church. He's called us to break up some unplowed ground and territory. And for that to happen, the apostolic needs to come alive. The apostolic, the breakthrough, the innovators, the entrepreneurs need to break up that ground. We need the prophetic people. And the prophetic people are not just those who come and say, thus saith the Lord. The prophetic people are like Jesus. He walks into the temple and he sees that there's things going on in the temple that are not in the heart of God. So he turns tables over. The prophetic in, our, in the church, in the kingdom of God, are not just people who hear and give prophecy. They're people who walk in society and they see the injustices and they say, this is not God's heart. And they flip some tables over. Some of you have had a heart for injustice in society and you've not joined up the dots that it's a prophetic grace that's on your life. The prophetic grace knows God's heart and you know that that's not God's heart. And you are representing God's heart and turning the injustice over. We need the evangelists. What a niche ministry that's become. With a few people who go out on the street and ask strangers if they know Jesus. The vast majority of us feel we're being courageous if we invite a neighbor on an alpha course. And yet the kingdom of God is within us. And the evangelists, the salesmen of the church, those who represent, those who are the brand ambassadors of the kingdom. And it's not just going on the streets. It is about being people that advocate and expand and paint a wonderful, glorious picture of the kingdom. Some of you have got evangelistic gifts on you and you've never been on the street speaking to strangers, but you work in design. You're you're brilliant with brands. And there's an evangelistic grace on your life that you've just never understood that it's part of the kingdom. And then we got the shepherds. Thank God for the shepherds. But the shepherds, if you've got a shepherd in grace in your life, it's not just so you can join the pastoral team. That's such a small part of manifesting the shepherd. Some of you are working in the NHS, not because it's a career, but because you've got a grace of a shepherd on your life. Some of you are working in HR because there's a care that you have for staff well-being, and there's a shepherd grace on your life. Some of you are caring in your community or you've been appointed as like a chaplaincy pastoral role in your workplace because there's a shepherding grace that's on your life. Teaching. I can pick off the easy one of some of you are in teaching. 
Because it's a grace that's on your life. It's not just it's not just a family career, but it is a vocation of the grace of God. You know, if you find that your primary grace is teacher, it doesn't mean that the manifestation, the ultimate manifestation of that, is that you're going to be coming and preaching the Word of God. That's such a small part of it. Equip the saints for works of service, not so that we can all be preachers, but so that we can all be communicators to this world. So everyone in this room, all of you, you're not in the stands, you're in the team, you're on the pitch. All of you with your tracksuits off, ready to go, and there's a grace on your life. There's a grace. Now, we're all called to grow in each of these. You know, the apostolic is not just those who'll be planting churches. They will be doing that. But some of you in the business world, you're, you've always been known as an entrepreneur. But your entrepreneurialism is an apostolic grace on your life. And you're carving up into business. You're opening up unplowed territory. And you're releasing others. You are applying your apostolic grace, and you may not even be aware of it. And you see all of these things, they're given, not so that your business grows, not so that your work in the NHS thrives, not so that you become a good teacher in your high school. All of these things are given as a grace on our life so that we will grow into maturity in the Lord. We will join together in the mission of God, and we will see the glory of God manifest to the earth. Amen. Revival will not come if you have a grace on your life that you're hiding. The move of the Holy Spirit will only come in this nation when the church unites together fulfilling the grace and the calls of God that are upon them. The stage is not the front line. Out there's the front line. We don't gather to church. We are church that's gathered. Tomorrow, you are church that's scattered. With your graces, with your kit still on, with your heart to see the kingdom of God revealed still manifest. So in the weeks ahead, over the next five weeks, we're going to look at each of these apest graces. Now, how do you discern what grace there is on your life? Well, we, a few months ago, in fact, the early part of this year, we took all of our staff team and elders and wives and husbands through a simple online test to discern what our grace mixes were on our lives. It's been revolutionary. It's been really helpful because so often we try to be good at everything, don't we? Uh, we bring an evangelist in to inspire us. But when they go, we usually feel a bit of a failure, don't we? Because they just seem to so easily lead people to Jesus. And we sort of follow them and hang around with them and think, wow, it's amazing what they're doing. But we feel small and intimidated because we can't do what they did. And there's a grace 
in their life. And we're meant to grow in evangelism. We're meant to be ready in season and out of season to share our faith. But the primary grace that's on our life is the one that God wants us to really excel in. My grace for my life, my primary grace is apostolic. And I tell you, just knowing that is really helpful because I'm not just an ideas person. I'm a breakthrough person. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called, I understand now why God has asked me to steward a vision to see 100 churches planted in the southwest in the next 10 years. Because that's part of his grace on my life. It's not me mustering it up. It's not me trying to work harder. It's just the grace of God. But if you think that I'm the person that needs to be everything to the church, that I need to be the best evangelist, the best prophet, the best teacher, the best shepherd, we'll mistake it. Because we're meant to all together rise up in our graces. And I have found with our team, in fact, we took them away for two days and everyone stood up and they read their results from their APES test. And we were able to gather around them and say, wow, we see that on your life. Yes, we understand you better now. Because sometimes we measure other people's strengths by our strengths, don't we? I've seen situations where people who are very organized, they're very administrative, they write other people off because they're not very organized. They use their strength to measure someone else. But someone else might have a very different strength. But when we know, when you know that you're sat next to a teacher or sat next to a shepherd or sat next to an evangelist, you no longer measure them by the strength or the grace that you have. You measure them by the grace that they have. And the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be all of us rising in the grace of the Lord that's on our life. Rising in that confidence that this is who I am in God. And helping each other to fulfill the purposes of God. So, tracky off, kit on, come out of the stands, come on the pitch. And at some point over the next few weeks, you might want to do it straight away. We're going to ask you to take a test. And if you go to this URL, rediscoverchurch.com forward slash apest, it will cost you a little bit. I think it's a thousand pound per test, I think. No, no, I think it's five pound. There you are, it feels like a bargain now I said it that way, doesn't it? If you would really love to do it and you can't afford it, please do let us know in the office and we will make that happen for you. But I think it's a really good investment of five pounds. Yes. We'll send you a code when you've been on that and you've registered in. We'll send you a code and you just take about 20 minutes to fill out this test. And it will give some form of measurement of each of those five graces in your life. Over the next few weeks, as we talk about the apostolic, whether your grace on your life is apostolic or not, you will help understand other people who are. As we look at the prophetic, whether if, if your grace is prophetic, you'll understand yourself and you will have some ideas about how you grow in that. If your top grace is not prophetic, you'll understand those people around you who are so that we can, 
we can encourage one another to grow. This is a moment of getting the ministry off here and getting the ministry here. Do you get it? Do you see what could happen if we get this? Not just understand it, but live it. Can you imagine what could happen?